Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Yeah, it's one of those weeks, friends. We're going to get through it, but it ain't going to be easy. Schedule's all out of whack. Everybody's off school. Nobody's got any little camps or anything to go to. Uh, Quickly want to remind all of you, before we actually dive into the real parts of the show, yes, that's the motion, my hand is diving into the real parts of the show, Uh, what do we got coming up here the rest of this week? I do feel like this is a necessary uh, point to emphasize, because the schedule is going to be a little bit weird, for those of you that sort of rely on this at a particular, uh, I don't know, say time, but like a window of time, today... Just the one show, most likely. We, uh, I don't believe we're going to have time to get into the cells here on week 10. Apologies, just sort of the way things are right now. Tomorrow, also one show. Friday, we'll probably do our weekend review show late on Thursday night. Because Friday, I go out of town. Most likely first thing in the morning. So there's not going to be time to do prep and then you know do a full-length show We definitely won't have anything over the weekend. There will not be anything on New Year's Day, so there won't be a weekly preview show for next week unless I roll all of that into the massive, you know, weekend review type deal. And maybe that's the answer to that small part of the equation. But again, after that big show, whenever that might be, again, super late on Thursday night or medium late on Thursday night, whatever, there will not be a show until Tuesday after that. So yes... Uh, there will be a day in there where there would normally be a show that there won't be one. But we did have our buy show, and so overall there should still, I think, be five podcasts for this last week. And don't worry, next week things actually get a little bit simpler because uh, the nanny's back in town. I think one of my kids has uh, like like a winter break camp he's going to, the older one, and then the little guy, I think his school starts back up on... I got the calendar here on the wall next to me. I don't know. It's blocked by a big jug of lactate pills. Where's January? Here, you guys want to see some Kirkland brand <laughs> fast-acting lactase? What a what a person you guys listen to. Um, let's see. Winter break goes through. I guess maybe is that the whole week? He's off the whole damn week. I thought he was back by the middle of the week. Well, that's not great. All right, well, we'll figure that out. Anyway, uh, next week we'll have, I think, basically a full complement of shows, so definitely hang out with, that, with us for that. Sorry for the long intro. Wanted to make sure you guys knew what was coming. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris. We got a lot of games, actually, to recap from yesterday, so I don't know why I'm uh, sort of piddling around here at the front end. Please do take a moment to find me on social media, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, of course, sportsethos.com, the website, Ethos Fantasy BK, the Twitter feed, basically everything you need to know can be found in the handy-dandy show description. So just scroll on down to that and you will be fine. Getting into yesterday, and obviously the big story was Andre Drummond, but we'll get to that when we get to that. That game is, you know, partway down the board here. They will work our way through chronologically as per usual. Orlando beat Washington, but guess what? Wizards kept it somewhat competitive again. That's all we asked for from the outset this year. Wizards are still 5-24, and but they've been competitive. It's all we wanted. 30-plus minutes for the 30-plus minute guys, and now they're getting it. Tyus Jones has been a monster. Even Jordan Poole has been top 90 over the last couple of weeks. 
This game was good, by the way, for Poole. This is one of his better games of the season. He was still, I think, a team worst minus 18. Yeah, there you go. That, that number's on the board. Team worst minus 18, so he's still not really helping the club. But... I know the thing about this game was that, like, Washington was in it, and then there was this that little burst. That happens in a lot of games. If you watch Laker games, it happens in the first four minutes of every single basketball game. But it, it's in all of them. All of a sudden, one team goes on, like, a 13 to nothing run, and that's just it. That said, Poole has been startable lately. Thank goodness. That's all you're—I mean, like, is he going to get into that 40 range where he got drafted? Highly unlikely, but he's startable. Daniel Gafford's been amazing all year long. And y'all didn't believe me. I said it, and I said it, and I said it, and I said it, and I said it. Kyle Kuzma now is, now is down to number 125 in 9-cat. People are like, Dan, why are you so low on him? He's number 50. He's just rolling along. Because eventually, these guys are who they are. They are who they are. Kuzma's not, nor has he ever been, a 50% shooter from the field. That's at 46 and change now. He's never been an over 80% foul shooter. That's at 77 it just, it's back where it was. Points leagues, yeah, obviously, but I talk about 9-cat. As far as Orlando goes, uh, Anthony Black had a big ball game, but I cannot possibly bring myself to care about that because there, there has been no consistency to it whatsoever. Jalen Suggs came back, had four defensive stats in his 29 minutes. Solid game for Suggs, so it looks like you can get him back in there. Is he going to sort of blow up the Cole Anthony spot? I think there's actually a, poss a possibility that that happens. We knew that Cole Anthony was not going to be rolling as hot as he was for the entirety of the season. You know, that, there was just that, that crazy heater run. And the thing is, people sort of delude themselves into believing that stuff like that is long-term sustainable. He was just crushing. And he's still going to have some good games mixed in. Ones where Suggs is out are obviously the higher probability of being those better games. But most of the time, Cole Anthony's going to be a sort of uh, relatively inefficient bench gunner who will get you a handful of assists and rebounds okay for a guard and gets a steal now and then, but really doesn't rack up enough of any one thing to make him a all-the-time guy. I think you're holding is probably everybody's like, Dan, get to the damn point. You're holding. Let's get to the next one. Ah, uh, poor Detroit. Try though they might, and Cade Cunningham, man, he tried his butt off in this ballgame to avoid the record-breaking loss. Good Lord, children. 27 losses in a row now for the Detroit Pistons, who are a robust 1-14 at home and 1-14 on the road. Uh, we have some Brooklyn stuff to discuss, but let's do Detroit first because, I mean, 27 losses in a row, that's, that's tough. That's tough. Sorry, Pistons. You guys, nobody deserves this. This is brutal. At least Jalen Duran was back, though. Jalen Duran was back. 12 points, 15 boards, 4 assists. Please, man, just keep those ankles not a-wobbling. Cade's been much better lately. This is a huge ball game. 41-9-5, and five, three threes, a steal, a block, good percentages, all the things, all the things. Uh, again, he's another guy that probably doesn't get to where he was drafted at the end of the day. He's inside the top 100 now on the season, and he's like top 50 over the last two to three weeks. And honestly, you take that. You take that. It took this colossal ball game to get him inside the top 50 over those two weeks, but whatever. Like, if you drafted Cade at, at like 28, 32, whatever it was, 
you take this at this point. Okay, Brooklyn now. So first of all, uh, De'Ron Sharp had a tremendous double-double with two steals and four blocks in his 21 minutes. Um, the bench unit for Brooklyn just obliterated the Detroit bench unit, if you're wondering why the minutes were kind of funny. Like Dorian Finney-Smith played 33 minutes, and you know Nick Claxton only played 26. If you're like, oh, why did De'Ron Sharp play almost as many minutes as Nick Claxton? It has to do with, you know, which units were being successful. And the starters for Brooklyn were actually losing this matchup. But, moving along from that, Brooklyn has another game tonight on a back-to-back. Spencer Dinwiddie, Nick Claxton, and Cam Johnson have all been ruled out. It's basically rest for all three, but they made up excuses for a few of them. Injury management, blah, 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 blah. So, by the way, Dorian Finney-Smith is also questionable for this game tonight. There's a chance that four main rotation guys for Brooklyn just get the day off. Which means we play the game of who the hell is left. The who the hell is left game includes, it seems at least, Mikael Bridges, who never takes a game off, refuses to, and is an intense by low right now. Cam Thomas is another one of the starters who looks like he's going to still be going. He'll get 35 shots in this game tonight, and you just have to hope that he makes 15 of those instead of five. Okay. Uh... Those are the only two starters left. So, who gets inserted in? Is it going to be Dorian Finney-Smith? Probably. If he plays, he'll probably be a starter, and you could probably use him. Does De'Ron Sharp get inserted into the starting five? Maybe. He's going to have to deal with Brook Lopez and Giannis on the other side, so there's no guarantee that he puts up a big fantasy line, even if he starts. Now, again, head-to-head side where you're not being punished for it, it's a little different than trying to use it against the game's cap. Dennis Smith Jr. is the one that jumps out to me as kind of intriguing because he probably slides in as the point guard. And we know over the last two seasons, basically, this sort of older version of Dennis Smith Jr., if he gets 30 minutes, which he could get tonight, he tends to be like a 10.6 assist, five rebound, one and a half steals type of guy. That plays. So in terms of the, like, who are we going to pick up and stream in this ballgame, I think Finney Smith is probably ends up being the safest if he plays. Dennis Smith Jr., if he starts, probably the second safest. And then De'Aaron Sharp, if he starts, is probably your third safest. Royce O'Neal kind of floating in the wings here. It's a wing joke, by the way, as a guy that you might try, but I don't think Roto, I don't think I'd go that far in Roto. Utah and San Antonio, this is this the, this game was the uh, starting rotation bingo of the universe. Larry Markkinen is seemingly the only safe Utah starter these days. Keontae George came back, but came off the bench for this one. Presumably, he starts starting over Chris Dunn in the not-too-distant future. But I don't know if that's even true, because the Jazz are... Like, just as a basketball team, they're better when there's more Chris Dunn just because he's a veteran. They want to develop Keontae George, but I think sometimes we as a basketball community get too caught up in this notion that, like, development means a guy must play 32 minutes and get embarrassed nightly. That's not development. They may develop while that's happening. And I do think that there's a certain value in playing against players that are much better than you. 
but it can do almost the same amount of damage as somebody's confidence in a spot like that. Like, think about a Chet Holmgren. Now, that's not a great comparison because Holmgren was a top pick, and so we all kind of knew that he was going to be good, but that dude didn't play against anybody in the NBA last year, and he's come out, and he's, I would argue, way more ready just by being around NBAers for a year and putting on mass and learning the speed of the game. That's not to say I don't want to see Keontae George play more. That's to say I don't know that it's a guarantee that he just gets all the minutes and Chris Dunn gets sort of phased out. On top of all of this, Taylor Horton Tucker, Taylor Horton Tucker, was available technically for this game and didn't play. So what did that even mean? I don't know. Was this was this a healthy DNP or was it like, well, he's available if we absolutely positively must, but he's not entirely healthy yet. So it left us with this real mishmash. The starters yesterday for Utah were Lowry Markkinen. Okay, fine. John Collins, who's been pretty bad lately and frankly is, I'm running out of patience for him. Uh, Kelly Olynyk, who is startable in fantasy when he's starting in real life. And I know he only played 23 minutes, but his usage is nice. He's, he's basically like the cog in the middle when he's part of whatever unit he's in. He doesn't shoot these that much these days, but his assists have been good. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Colin Sexton and Chris Dunn. And then for Sexton, still got 20 points in his 29 minutes, but it may cover up the fact that he only took 10 shots. Jordan Clarkson came off the bench, took 17 those two guys are probably going to cannibalize each other as this thing shakes itself out. And when they're playing a team that can actually defend anyone, the Spurs cannot, by the way. Clarkson is not a nine-category guy. Hasn't been for I, God knows how long. Anytime Jordan Clarkson puts up two or three good games in a row, I'm a fan of selling. He reminds me a lot of Cam Thomas in that he'll go on a little heater run where he is inside the top 100, and then he sort of levels off back outside of that. A flip guy. I've started to call those guys flip guys. They're flippers. Sell Clarkson when he's hot, buy when he's cold, rinse, repeat, see what you can squeeze out of that value-wise. Colin Sexton is probably on his way to being a drop, although saying that after a good ball game sounds kind of dumb, so you can hang on a little bit longer. And then Walker Kessler only played 18 minutes off the bench, but had 11-7 and seven and 5 defensive stats, so... End of the day, huh? It's probably the only real answer to this Utah situation. 
let's just go down the board really fast. Lightning round for the Jazz. Laurie Markkinen, obviously, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, second rounder or better, so don't worry about that one. Colin Sexton, probably be ready for a drop in the not-too-distant future, but hold for now. Kessler, still kind of a buy low, although after he had a good performance in low minutes, so I don't know if buying low is going to be all that easy. Clarkson's a sell high after a good ball game. Olenek is a hold. Chris Dunn is probably a drop because even though he's starting, his minutes are not guaranteed. John Collins is a hold for now, but it's getting close. And then Keontae George is, as we've talked about before, kind of a, like, more of a luxury, like a playable stash type in head-to-head. A you, Roto, you treat him like he's injured, and you hope that everybody gets shut down in March, and then he'll go crazy. But that's a long time from now, so there you go. San Antonio moved some bodies around, and we also got a word that Victor Wembanyama is on a little bit of a minutes cap these days. They're trying not to run him too ragged. Spurs losing a lot of ball games again. This is not the season that they're going to be making a push for anything. They're four and twenty-five, and ain't nobody catching the Pistons these days right now in losses. But damn, the Spurs are close. So what do we do? Well, I thought when we heard about the Wembanyama minutes cap that that might mean that Zach Collins could kind of hang on. But that didn't happen here. Uh, I think Collins ends up as probably a drop, although Wembenyama here uh, probably sitting back-to-backs for the foreseeable future. And the uh, so I think we got word that he wouldn't be playing in both games in Portland. And they've got one tomorrow and the one the day after that. So they're Thursday, Friday, back-to-back, both of them against the Blazers, both of them in Portland. So it, you know, at least there isn't like a flight in between them. But Collins is going to be useful in one of those two games. I don't know if we have confirmation on which one yet. First, second, I guess it'll probably depend on where he can get more rest on either side of it, but they got Boston at home with one day off in between, so it sort of doesn't really change anything. Keldon Johnson got moved to the bench. I've been calling him a sell high pretty much the entire season. I feel somewhat vindicated by the fact that he's outside the top 200 over the last two weeks, largely because all he's done over that stretch is score. It's easy to overlook that fact because everybody loves points, but he's now number 99 in 9-cat. He fell from number 65 to 99 over the span of the last week and a half. Uh, the great leveling, man, it, it gets us all. Eventually, it takes us all. Devin Vassell had a better ball game. I think you sell off the good game there. Jeremy Sohan, you're not looking into it too much. Uh, Julian Champeny, 25 minutes in the starting lineup. He's not going to be this efficient. Every ball game went six for nine from the field, including four three-pointers. Also had two steals and a block. If you pick him up, just be ready to drop him because you ain't going to hold him for all that long as Spurs are going to be mixing and matching and screwing around. They still haven't really given Trey Jones an actual opportunity. He's the one that I'm looking at like, all right, this is like the one dude you got who could actually post 9-cat value if given more of an opportunity, and he hasn't been given one yet. And then the rest of these guys, it's sort of the same feeling I had before, which is Webanyama is amazing. He's super fun to have fantasy-wise, but now that we're getting these, the word that he's sitting back-to-backs and on a minutes cap, what does that mean? Could you still sell for a top 25 guy? Probably. Might be worth doing. Yeah, whatever. 
Jalen Johnson back for the Atlanta Hawks. That's a fun little piece of news. No DeAndre Hunter, so we haven't seen the Sadiq Bay likely fall off yet. So hold on Bay for now. Hold on Okongwu. Fire up Jalen Johnson. He played 29 minutes his first game back, so he'll be likely in the 30s by his next one. Cool. And then the story of the night. The number one fantasy line from all nine games yesterday. The mighty Andre Drummond. The mighty Andre Drummond, who goes for 24 points on just 13 shots, 25 rebounds, three steals, two blocks, and, and arguably the most impressive part of the whole thing, two for two at the free throw line. We got word this morning that uh, Vooch was expected to miss at least 7 to 10 days, which, again, you know, at least is doing some heavy lifting there. So we don't know if it's going to be, like, exactly 10 days or if it's going to be 14 or 20. Unclear. They think he will not be back before a week, week and a half from now. So at least we have kind of that much information in the short term. Meaning Andre Drummond is a priority ad as a fill-in for Vooch. And... I mean, you're not going to be able to sell high on this news. It, you might have been able to sell high before we had any idea how long uh, Vooch was going to be out. But now that we have a better idea that it's not going to be like a month and maybe more like two plus weeks, two to three weeks would be my guess on his absence. You're not going to be able to sell Drummond. So just make sure you grabbed him. Probably should have been grabbed in the middle of the day yesterday when we heard that Vooch was out indefinitely with a core issue, groin core and now we have confirmation that you can just roll with Drummond. But pretty crazy. I mean, he's one of the top rebounders active in the NBA right now. So we shouldn't be too blown away. But, I mean, sheesh. This is quite something. It helps to play the Hawks. I'll give you that. It helps play the Hawks. Elsewhere for the Bulls, DeMar DeRozan just slowly climbing. Seven for seven at the free throw line. That's the number I just kept pointing at. You can also point at field goal percent. But DeMar is up to number 53 in 9-cat now. It seems like he moves up about one to two slots after every single ball game. If he has one good field goal percent shooting game, he'll be in the 40s. And then you just, like, at that point, the buy low will have cashed in. Alex Caruso's a start. He's made it through another ball game. Io Dasunmu had a big one. And it's kind of impossible to know when that's going to happen, unfortunately. You can usually tie it to various absences of others on the Bulls. Like, you know, if Caruso has to miss time or if DeMar has to miss time or Patrick Williams misses some time or Kobe White, we're sort of like one guy away for IO most of these days. He's been on a pretty good steals tear for whatever that's worth. But this is the first time he's had an actual plus scoring game when you compare it to sort of like traditional fantasy. You need about 15, 16 points to get to league average. In... The last six ball games, I know he had a 14.4 three-pointer game mixed in there against the Lakers, but 22 minutes, only eight shots. First time he's taken double-digit shots in six ball games since that back-to-back in Miami, and I believe those were games where either Demar or Caruso was out. Looking back at him, so no, I, you're not picking up Dasumu. I know it was a nice ball game, but he's been way too inconsistent. He stole minutes from Patrick Williams here, who's been generally startable lately, so I'm going to hold on Williams. And then Kobe White, who did have 19-5-5, but he did the sort of the Kobe White of old stuff here with zero three-pointers, 
zero steals, zero blocks, and even worse, five out of eight from the free throw line. That's kind of the odd one for him. But it's worth pointing out, if only because we knew the sort of Kobe White hitting five three-pointers a game thing just wasn't going to be a long-term thing. He's not Steph Curry. Last two weeks, Kobe's outside the top 120. I'm not saying drop him. I'm just saying that we knew this stuff was going to level off. Last one week, he's outside the top 220. And this is the, the, again, we've talked about this before, this is the mighty ebb and flow of an NBA season. This is why he was, and I suggested it, dropped early in the year. Because the first four weeks of the season, this was who he was. And without as many shots. You know, he was like 14 points, four boards, four assists, and nothing else. That was outside the top 200. He had one good week in there, so I think he was like number 180 before Zach Levine went down. We still have no update on Levine. It still feels like he's not playing another game for Chicago, but I don't really know for sure. So you're obviously holding Kobe White, but it's also why we talked about a sell high, because he was never going to just be a top 30, top 40 guy. He was not going to just be Steph Curry overnight. Now the percentages are leveling off. So hold, obviously. Don't panic, obviously. But this is a not-so-subtle reminder that his fantasy game does still have some holes in it. Some of them getting worked through due to maximum usage, but not all of them. Indy beat Houston on the road. The Rockets got off to a really fast start this year. They've been a little more human lately, but largely, uh, and they lost this game at home, largely the Rockets have come on the road. This is only their third home loss of the year. They're 3-10 and ten away from Houston. Who was it? Was it the Sixers a couple years ago that had that crazy home road split? I think so. Uh, Jalen Smith looked good, and the question is, will he be healthy enough to play in their next ball game? He's had a really nice season. And I think we can put him on the watch list. I don't think you need to go at him, considering he's been so banged up lately. The The larger news I thought out of this game, forget the fact that Tyrese Halliburton bounced back in a big way, was that Aaron Neesmith got the start over Buddy Heald. So Indy was just sort of trying something new. They wanted Neesmith in there. He's a little tougher than Heald, maybe a little more consistent. But he still got 33 bench minutes, for whatever that's worth. Obi Toppin was actually the guy who really lost out in this ballgame. And so now we're back into the, all right, well, what the hell are we doing with this team? Hold on, healed. He's still got 33 minutes. Neesmith is a hold. He was someone that I, I thought was addable about two weeks ago. So uh, moving into the starting lineup certainly doesn't change that assessment. Andrew Nemhard has a terrible fantasy game. He's points. He's assists. He's literally nothing else. So no, you're not adding him while he fills in for Bruce Brown. And no, you're not adding Isaiah Jackson, although sometimes it's fun. Miles Turner was in foul trouble in this ballgame. Mostly because Alperen Sengun, who got benched three games back, has come back and gone nuts over the last few ball games. Another huge one. And he hit his free throws here. And he had four steals. So Ime Udoka pushing the right buttons with him. Called him out for being terrible on defense. I mean, I know you guys are hearing the noises in the background of today's show. I'm trying my best to sort of just yammer over them. But they are an unavoidable... Starting to stress me out a tiny bit. Hold it together, Dano. Uh, Freddie Van Vliet, three defensive stats. That's always something I'm looking for with him. He's worked his way up into that uh, third round, so all good there. Dylan Brooks, injured. There's a core injury. Oblique strain is the official ruling now. 
And that just means that if you guys thought Tari Eason was in good shape before, now as long as his leg can stay fine, Tari Eason is a whopper of an ad. He went from being a pretty easy decision to just being like the easiest decision ever now. A lot of Jalen Green stuff coming out after yesterday's ballgame as well. Basically that he has just completely fallen apart, that he's not making the strides that they were hoping he would make. He's losing his minutes to, you know, first it was Eason, then some to Aaron Holiday, some to Jay Sean Tate. And it's just looking more and more, and maybe that changes with Dylan Brooks going down, but it's just looking more and more like he's not one of their priority guys anymore. Because the Rockets want to win. Anyway, the short version on all of this is, you weren't holding Dylan Brooks anyway, but Tari Eason, who you should have already had on your roster, is in great shape. More good news out of yesterday. Marcus Smart came back for the Grizzlies, immediately played 29 minutes of an overtime game, which, for his long-term health, I don't know about that decision. But, 13 points, 3 assists, 5 steals, and a block. Um, I think the defensive stats are going to be very good for Marcus Smart, because now he can focus more on just being that guy on this team. We know the Grizzlies love to go for steals. We know they love to go full intensity mode when they have enough bodies to do it. And now they're kind of finding that. John Morant is a sell high. Anytime he gets off to these hot starts, he does it every year. See if you can get somebody in the top 30 for him while he's hot because we know his nine-cat game won't support it long-term. Xavier Tillman had five blocks. Don't care. Uh, and then with Marcus Smart, he's probably also a little bit of a sell high off of this ballgame because I'm still not convinced he gets enough assists. He's not going to score that much. It's going to be threes on kind of a low field goal percent, steals, and you, we need that third category, and I hope it's assists, but I'm not sure that it will be. Grizzlies are riding high right now on the John Morant energy. Pelicans are not. They've lost a couple in a row. Herb Jones did get 31 minutes, but, I mean, I don't know how many of these bad games in a row I can handle. He's literally doing nothing on the court these days. Not even getting defensive stats. I don't know, man. I Like, I'm holding on as long as I can for dear life, but I just, I don't know that I have to anymore. This one might have been the last drop for me. If you can't put up any fantasy stats in an overtime game, what the hell are we even doing here? So, yeah, probably moving on there. It might, burn, it might burn me, but, I mean, how much longer? Like, I feel like everybody else moved on a week and a half ago, and I've been as patient as I can, but I think it might be time to move on. Okay, see, beat up on Minnesota. No real notes on the Timberwolves' side, just kind of a bad ball game. Uh, Lou Dort had a bigger game for the Thunder. That happens every once in six, seven games, whatever. He went seven for nine shooting. I don't know why Jalen Williams isn't getting steals this year, but he got blocks in this one, and he's up to number 73 in 9-cat now, so, you know, we'll take it, I guess. Okay. Kings, bad loss. They were not ready for the Blazers in this game, other than De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis, who uh, scored the bejesus out of the basketball, but Kings didn't guard anybody. Malik Monk has cooled off quite a bit after a torrid stretch. I'm going to hold on Monk. And then Keegan Murray, anytime he has a bad ball game, you try to buy low. Because overall, people still aren't giving him enough credit. And that means that you can probably sneak in there and steal him from somebody. Meanwhile, on the Blazers' side, Matisse Thibel continues to be an excellent defensive streamer. 
Anthony Simons is continuing to take a crap ton of shots. Shaden Sharp is out, but he's a points league guy only. While he's out, Malcolm Brogdon makes a lot of sense. Continue to roll with him. And then the stories that everybody wants me to talk about that I sort of saved for last. Is that a Whitney Houston song? No, Vanessa Williams. That was Vanessa Williams. Ah, oh, man. 90s jams. Early 90s jams. Uh, anyway, saving the best for last. Shout out Vanessa Williams. Um, Scoot Henderson, 17 points, 11 assists. People are like, Dan, is it time? Here's the thing. This game does not change my assessment of Scoot, who's ranked outside the top 300 on the season. Go through his game log. Just play the game log game. He had his last double-double December 14th, two weeks ago. He had one, two, three, four, five. Do, 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 five games in between them. And those five games were all real bad. He did make his free throws. Give him that. Made his free throws in those five games. But everything else was atrocious. This was a game against a very bad defensive team in the Kings who were just sort of not ready to guard anyone. That's not to take things away from Scoot, but what I've said all season holds, which is young dude learning the, the NBA game, and it's going to be this sort of sine wave, this up and down, but the trend line will slowly point up. You know, two, three good games, he'll mix them in, then there'll be five bad games, then it'll be three good games, then it'll only be three bad games. And it's going to slowly work its way to where that scale of justice tips in the good side, probably near the All-Star break. Like it always does with ball-dominant rookies. Over and over and over and over and Reith is the other one who actually wasn't even the starting center for this game. Moses Brown started, had zero points and 11 rebounds. And then Reith came in, played 32 minutes and had 25 and 9 and was a plus 24 in his time on the court. But this is all because DeAndre Ayton was out anyway. So, no, I'm not picking up either of those guys. Uh, I don't... I'm not expecting Ayton to miss a ton of time. Uh, I think he's already questionable for the next one. Knee soreness, you don't like that because he missed three games like two weeks ago with knee soreness. So, you know, maybe uh, one of maybe Reith has another good ball game. I don't know. Maybe he gets the start. But here's the thing. He has, it, like, this isn't the first opportunity he's had to go get a few extra minutes. And the last time that Aiden was out, Reith played 22, 21, and 26 minutes. He didn't have a double-double in those games. Uh, the opponents were more competent defensively. Now, to that end, they've got the Spurs on a back-to-back -back coming up. We already mentioned that earlier in the program, talking about Wembenyama sitting out one of those. So maybe that is an opportunity to play him because the Spurs don't really know how to guard anyone. But, like, Reith is not an extraordinary rebounder. Getting nine rebounds here was, I believe, a season high. And most of the time, in medium-sized minutes, he's getting, like, four or five so, no, I'm not jumping at these dudes. I'm not going to use these guys against a Roto Games cap. I get it head-to-head -head with a back-to-back. -back. If we knew that Aiton was sitting out both of them, that's a little bit of a different story. But grain of salt is all I'm saying. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. And Charlotte. 
actually was able to hang in there with the Clippers for a while. Paul George kind of woke up late, scored a few buckets in what was otherwise kind of a bad ball game for him, and uh, that put him away. Harden and Westbrook were actually the guys. What year is it? Harden and Westbrook were the guys for the Clippers. And where does this put Harden now? I think he was number 15 coming into yesterday's ball game. He's number 13 in nine cat on the year, ladies and gentlemen, on the year. Uh, he's number seven over the last month, ladies and gentlemen. James Harden. Got him at 57 in the last draft I did. Heesh. I did say on yesterday's show that I thought there was almost no chance Kawhi Leonard played in this game because the Hornets are not an actual NBA team. Clippers are going to save Kawhi until they play somebody competent, and uh, so maybe we get him back for the next one. Uh, I thought Norman Powell would be better. He played 28 minutes, but he didn't get that many shots up. It was mostly Paul George and uh, James Harden firing away for the Clippers, so that one appears to have fallen on its face. If he's a Zubats 18 and 14, he always does more when someone is out. Uh, but he just sort of quietly plods along at a low-end center league clip. I think he's in the top 80 over the last month. 123 on the year. That's where I'll end up. You know, nothing special there. Gordon Hayward hurt. I think I put in the tweet that water is also wet. Just a matter of time with Hayward before he goes down. He was a guy I was dropping anyway because his fantasy game had disappeared and he's old and he's slow and it's just not there anymore. The Terry Rozier sell-high window has basically evaporated. He's uh, fallen to number 39 from that pace inside the top 25 a little bit. Uh, and LaMelo at some point is going to show up. But that's not really that important for today's program. Uh, P.J. Washington is a uh, full go now with both LaMelo and Hayward out. Uh, Nick Richards, you're still filling in for Mark Williams there. That one's totally fine. Keep an eye on Cody Martin. He actually had a really efficient 25 minutes yesterday. If he can get starters minutes, he'd be worth playing. They keep starting Bryce McGowan's, and I have to believe it's because Cody Martin's just not healthy enough to play full starters minutes. But if that changes, then that would be a possible pickup. But I don't think we need to get out in front of it because I don't think anybody's going to take him even if you left him alone. Tonight, tonight, whoa, went too big on this on the zoom in there. Tonight, on the docket, you're buying something at Manscaped. That's what's on the docket. Hey, oh, look at that. What a twist. What a twist. Promo code there is ethos20. You guys know this by now. Go to manscaped.com, get yourself something sweet. It's the best damn male grooming products you will ever get. And provided you take any kind of decent care of them, like don't throw them against a wall when you get frustrated with your fantasy team, you probably won't need to get another trimmer, hair trimmer, electric razor of any kind, maybe for the rest of your damn life. That's not a guarantee they're making. That's just me saying that's how much I like using their stuff. So go to manscaped.com, check out the handyman, the lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, uh, and use promo code ethos20. Get your belated holiday gift on over at manscaped.com. Once again, that promo code is ethos20. Before we take a look at the six games coming up tonight, I do want to once again ask you guys all to take a second to go find me on social at Dan Vespers. Join us in Discord. The link is in the show description. And remember, if you're trying to get a hold of me after the show, use the comments tab. As I've said before, I try to sweep through there about once every 24 hours and uh, hit up comments that have come in. It's a lot of fun, actually. It's an area where I can kind of 
close track of them in a way that I just I simply I simply can't on Twitter. I like I can't keep up with the notifications. It's too crazy. And maybe someday YouTube will get that way also, but it's not yet. And so to that end, you can probably find me there. But all I would ask in return is please help us try to spread the word on this stuff. Please hit a like button, subscribe, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Subscribe to the stuff. Make sure you're taking in our content. Make sure you're retweeting social stuff, liking social stuff, whatever it takes. We want to keep pushing forward, and with your help, we can definitely get there. Tonight, Toronto in Washington. Again, it just all comes down to whether or not the Wizards can keep it competitive. That's it. Philly, no Joel Embiid. I considered Paul Reed, even though he was terrible in his last ball game due to foul trouble, but Orlando's also very good at drawing fouls. And so then I become kind of nervous again. Kelly Oubre, on the other hand, is a very good stream in this Philly game because he's going to get a crap ton of shots in what should be, I assume, a relatively competitive ball game. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, we already talked about Brooklyn. Wait for the starting lineup, but there are a number of players in that one that you guys could probably throw out there. Phoenix is kind of pooping down their legs these days. Suns are 14 and 15. They're back under 500, losers of three in a row. In fact, the whole mid-pack in the Western Conference has lost their last ball game, which I guess is good for all those clubs, especially for the Grizzlies. And the Jazz, by the way, are are only two and a half games out of a playoff sp- well, play-in spot. But the Suns right now are outside looking in. They fell a half game behind the Warriors. So they're trying to wake up. Uh, KD and Booker look like they're getting a little bit frustrated. You can still play Grayson Allen. Houston, let's just hope Tari Eason can go, because if he does, use him. Knicks, don't care. I know they've got a streaming opportunity this week, but I'm talking about the 9-cat roto side. No real rest-of-season adjustments to make there. Thunder, no. Cavaliers. I think Donovan Mitchell should be back tonight. We haven't gotten an update on him. Uh, oh, you know what? Right when we hit go on this podcast, he was listed as a participant in shoot-around. So that's good. I think he's back. I mean, he had a lot of time off to catch his breath. That's a really bad respiratory bug that's going around. Meanwhile, uh, apparently Aaron Gordon, this just broke while we were on air also, and one of you guys threw it in the chat room, apparently got bitten by a dog on the face and hands. What the hell? Well, that's interesting. All right, well, it'll give us a reason to watch a Nuggets game. They don't play tonight, but, you know, at least it's something. So, uh, yeah, watch the next Nuggets game, which I believe is tomorrow. Yeah, they got Memphis at home tomorrow, OKC on the back-to-back. So maybe you get somebody sliding in there in that power forward spot. I don't know that I would play them straight out, but... Game tomorrow will give us a little data on that. Cleveland, assuming Donovan Mitchell's back, then maybe that puts a little bit of a dent into whatever Karis Levert might do if he plays. He's also questionable. Um, and then Craig Porter probably goes back to being an afterthought. And for Dallas, I've talked about it a bunch. I trust Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't have full trust in Derek Jones Jr. or Dante Exum, mostly because... Their value has been so heavily tied up in field goal percent during their hot runs that I just don't want to be the dude who plays them on the game where that dries up. And I get it. That makes me extraordinarily nervous more than I need to be. And Dallas has three games in four days here. So head-to-head, again, it's a different calculation there. 
Doesn't matter if they cool off a little bit. You go three games in four nights. That's good regardless. But Roto Games Cap is basically where I'm trying to pin my money here. And I don't know that any of those guys ends up hitting it uh, to be that sort of nine, like, you know, 90, 100 range or better. Hey, look at that. Delante ordered off Manscaped using Ethos 20 yesterday. My man. That's awesome. Thank you, dude. That's really good for us. Uh, that means that I can now go to their marketing rep. I can be like, look, I legitimately, I'm going to take a freaking screenshot of this. Right while we're on air, I'm screenshotting it. I hope it doesn't hope it doesn't break my screen. But, well, whatever, I did it. If it broke the screen, I'm sorry, everyone. I don't, maybe I did it, maybe I screwed it up. Either way, that's awesome. Uh, everybody else, do as Delante does. Sweet. I love it. All right, thanks, guys. Really appreciate you all listening. Again, this will be the loan show today. If you want to get a hold of me, hit those comments. Um, I am in it. Let me quickly check the chat room and see if any of the questions are sort of applicable to everyone. Those are the ones that I like to try to go over if I can, other than my dude Delante here getting himself some Manscaped stuff. You're going to love it, man. Seriously, I, like, they do good. They put good products out there. Here's a good question from Martin Andrews. How serious is Embiid's injury? You know, it's not clear... Um, him not traveling with the team on this little short blip Phillies. What is this like a two game? Eh, it's a flag that goes all week Four game roadie. They got games in Houston and Chicago Friday, Saturday. So we'll see if he joins them for that, but it's not clear. You know, they're being a little bit cautious. He, he got ruled out a day in advance in each of these last two ball games, which makes me feel like he's not. I don't say not super close because it's not like they've ruled him out for two weeks or something like that, but it feels like he's probably at least another game out. I would not be surprised to see Embiid back middle to late next week as kind of a worst-case scenario because Philly's schedule actually lightens up a lot after this four and six they're in right now. After they play in Chicago on Saturday, they're off for two days, then they've got Chicago at home, off for two days, a back-to-back, off for three days as part of a two-game week. So basically, after Saturday, Philly has five games over 15 days. That's a very light part of the schedule, which also means it's an area where they could rest him more if they wanted to. Let's see if anything else in the chat room hits everybody here. Who is in the range to trade Clarkson? I think people in my league value him somewhat low because of his streakiness. Yeah, I mean, if your league understands him, then you're not going to be able to get anything for Clarkson. But if you can find someone in your league that's like, ooh, he scored 27, then honestly, anybody inside the top 100 that is a rest-of-season type of top 100 is someone you should probably try to get. You know, I don't know what you could pull off there because some of the names are bigger, but like... Alex Caruso at 91 is someone I would target as a lower scoring guy, so probably not getting the same love as the guys that scored 25 points a game or whatever. Um, and that might be the way that you could go. Who would you rather have in 9-cat, uh, DeAnthony Melton or Marcus Smart? I'd rather have DeAnthony Melton. Um, and what are your Tyus Jones rest-of-season expectations? This particular viewer got offered Tyus Jones and Miles Turner for Scotty Barnes. No, don't trade down. So even if I like Tyus Jones a lot, you're not trading down. Um, so don't do that trade. But that said, I was high on Tyus Jones this year. So when he got off to a rough start, or when the whole team did, I thought, oh, gosh, what have I done here? But now he's out in front of his ADP. 
He's been very durable. I believe he's played in every game for the Wizards so far. How many games have they had? Yeah, he's 29 for 29 on that front. So by totals, he's even been better than that. He's up. He's in front of his ADP by 20 slots right now. I think the field goal percent cools off. I think the free throw percent comes up a little bit. Although, you know, the field goal one hurts as it comes down more than the free throw helps because it doesn't go to the foul line. But basically what we've seen here lately is the scoring, the assists. Everything is just up because he's getting 30 minutes a game instead of 25 in blowouts. It was always like that. You know, he was around top 100, 100 to 110 range in like 24 and a half minutes a game. It's like, look, if these dudes get 30% more minutes, his stuff all goes up by 30%, and then he's a top 75 guy or better easily, and now he's at 56. I have him 75 or better in my books. Um, yes, there's always a fear at the end of the season that Wizards go into shutdown mode. Ty Jones, by the way, number 36 by totals right now. But if you're in head-to-head, -head, you should have stopped your league three weeks early. And if you're in Roto, who cares if he misses the last six, seven games of the season because he did all of his damage ahead of time. So uh, 75 or better is my feel on Jones. Uh, see, I mean, I don't know that I would... You can try to move him on the hot streak. I don't know if anybody's really buying that he's a top 25 guy. But you never know. Um but if you can go get somebody inside the top 60 for him, I would do it. And that will officially wrap things up. Thanks again for watching, everybody. At Dan Vespers on social, I know you guys will come find me over there, right? And I'm going to leave this Manscaped note up on the board while we sign off for the day. Throw it in the comments section if I didn't get to your stuff. I'll see you guys tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 